This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. Welcome to another week of Your Next Step. You know, I believe that God has a plan for your life and my life, and He has a purpose, and He's working that out. And we don't want to miss out on that. So right now, we're talking about how to grow, and we're going to talk about what are the myths and misconceptions that can get in our way of spiritual growth. You know what the big one is that I find all the time when I deal with people? They say something along this line. They say, well, if God wants me to grow spiritually, He'll make it happen. Do you realize how apathetic that is about your spiritual life? That means you're just going to wait around for God to do something. I don't believe that's what God wants at all. That's why Jesus, he asked Peter to push the boat out into the deeper water. It's why he invited the disciples to come follow him. It's why Jesus kept challenging people to come closer to him, to believe. Think about the leper who came back and thanked him. His response to God got him better results. So that means you and I can respond to God in certain ways, and we'll get better results. Today, on your next step, we're going to talk about four categories of myths and misconceptions that can hamper our growth. And if we can identify those, then we can remove them. It's like getting rid of the obstacles in your spiritual life. This is really important, so don't go anywhere. Stay with me. I hope if you've got time, stop by the church next door. Say hello. I'd love to get to know you. And I want to begin at Psalm 1. So I'd like for you to take out your notes or open up your Bible or open up your app. Look online with me right now. If you look on the screen, I would like for you to join me in reading it aloud. Okay? So this, this means I'm not the only one reading. You're going to read right alongside me. All right? Let's go. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. There's so much in this psalm. Number one, he paints a clear picture of a righteous way of life against a wicked way of life. He says there's a godly way to live and there's an ungodly way to live. The godly way of living produces blessing and fruitfulness and and strength and value. An ungodly way of living will destroy you. Now, why is that important? Because in the world in which you and I live, there's a lot of people who say, well, ungodliness isn't so harmful. Now, is that really true? 
Has that been your experience? Have the times when you chose to reject God and go out and live ways that oppose God's standards, have they really been fruitful? Have they produced long-lasting relationships? Have they produced a sustainable lifestyle? My submission is probably not. Based on my experience, when I ignored God, when I chose ungodly ways, I mean, let me just give you an example. We all know that lying will not work out for you. It will always come back. Yet, in our world, we think it's okay to lie. At the root of, of this is just this notion that, well, there's, there's an amount of sin that I can live with and it not harm me. Well, that's a misconception, isn't it? Notice what, notice what the psalmist says. He says that you can't walk with sinners and it not affect you. Because then you'll begin to stand with them and then finally you will sit. The first three verses points out that, that if you begin to embrace an ungodly worldview, it will begin to solidify in your life and it'll keep you from moving. But notice this, he says, in the blessed life, meditates on God's word day and night. God is a part about everything that they do, all the decisions they make. They're saying, God, how, how are you involved in what I'm doing with my life? There's this interaction, this living relationship with God. Not that, that God is something we do every now and then, but God is, is a part of everyday life. Notice this. He says that the blessed person is like a tree planted. A tree planted. You should write, if you've got your physical Bible open, you should write there, transplanted. It doesn't say that a tree that just, you know, an acorn fell there in the ground, a squirrel left it there, and then it began to grow. No, it says that a tree planted. Where's it planted? It's planted by streams of living water. Why is that important? That's important because it always has a source of nutrients. See, you and I, when we come to know God, we say, oh, God, I recognize you exist. I've been running from you. That's, that's our step into the grace of God. And the grace of God is big and wide and broad, okay? But then after we accept the grace of God and say, God, only a loving God that would have created me would find a way to take care of my sins. And I believe that Jesus is the answer to my sins. That's, that's your salvation point. Can I tell you, this is where the Twinkie analogy really comes in. See, a lot of people believe because they, they recognize that God exists and they've, they've invited him into their life, we're good to go. I don't have to do any more. I've got my Twinkies. I'm ready for the apocalypse. No, that's just the first step. What God wants you to do is to be transplanted. You go from that old way of life to placed where he can nourish you daily, where you're meditating on his word, you're, you're spending time with him, and you become a fruitful. Notice that you're always fruitful, that that person is always fruitful and prosperous. Now, when we talk about prosper, it doesn't mean that you're going to drive big, expensive cars. It doesn't mean you're going to have a, an extreme wealth. A text without a context is a pretext. People will take that one verse out and say, because you love God, you will always prosper. And because you have a lot in your bank account, you are a good person and God loves you. No, I know lots of people that according to the wealth standard are prospering, but according to the spiritual standard are drying up and dying. 
They're afraid. They're worried. They're concerned. No, no. When he says prosper here, he's talking about your relationship with God is growing no matter what happens. Notice this. The wicked person, the wicked person gets blown away when difficulties arrive. I grew up on a farm in Tennessee, and uh, the joy of my childhood was that farm because it was my it was my safe place. It was my place where I could go and play. All right. We had uh, 26, 28 acres. I can't remember what it was, but we had a fresh spring and a creek that ran through it. There was this part of the creek that was deep. We called it the swimming hole. I know how parochial, right? And, and then we had the majority of the creek was probably only, you know, less than 12 inches deep. But there was this one tree down in the, in the bottom of the field next to the creek. And it was at least three foot across in its diameter. It was huge. It was strong. That's the picture that God wants you to know. When you accept him, when you believe in him and you trust in him and you choose, okay, to plant your life on relying on him as your source. Why, why do trees next to streams do well? Because floods come. And this is what happens. When floods come, they bring in sedimentary material and it filters out. This is why the best farms are near major waterways. Because floods come. It stirs things up. And you end up with extra nutrient soil. See, you and I think floods are bad because they're inconvenient. But in, in, in God's economy, floods, when you, when you go through those, you, they make you stronger. They make you healthier. Next weekend, we're going to talk about this, growth and memories. See, if you can learn, I survived a difficult time, then you know I can survive difficult times. And it makes you stronger. So when, what God says, when he talks about this in Psalm 1, what you want to understand is this. Spiritual success is connected to decisions and actions. What you want to be asking yourself right now is this. Do I need to adjust? Is there any way in my life right now I need to make an adjustment? Do I need to make an adjust in thinking? Is there something that I have a misconception about God? Do I have a misconception about myself? Do I have some sort of lie that's keeping me from growing to the next level in my relationship with God? See, see, one of the things that I think that's, that's been a lie and a misconception that you and I've had to deal with lately is that spirituality is optional. It's not really that necessary for life. We live in a generation that says spirituality is not that important. We actually believe, well, I know God you know, so if God wants me to grow, I'll grow because God exists and, you know, he designed everything, so I'm supposed to grow. That goes totally in the antithesis of what the psalmist says, right? Because the psalmist says that if you want to grow spiritually, you've got to connect yourself to God. You've got to become intentional about that relationship. If you want to grow, you've got to become intentional. If you want your life to improve, 
You have to become intentional. You have to make decisions and action points along that. And what we want to do is give you some actions you can be intentional about that'll help you. Before we get there, I want to, I want to sweep away some of the misconceptions. And, and, and you may say in your mind, well, why do misconceptions exist? Well, one day in Jesus' conversation, he's in Jerusalem and he's having this conversation with, with some religious leaders and his disciples are there and all these people. So there's people along the spectrum. And, and Jesus makes this hypothesis that in the world in which we live, there, there is a spiritual force of evil, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call it. And that spiritual force has impacted the world in which we live. And he has he is scattered lies into this world. And some of us believe the lies. And because we believe the lies, we're hampered in our relationship with God. Now, that's really important. Because if people can be hampered in their God relationship because of a lie, we need to be able to recognize some of those lies ourselves as God followers to make sure we're not falling into it. Can I give you one that I know a lot of people have struggled with, including myself? Okay, I put myself in this category. I used to believe I'd read the Bible and I think, wow, I'm so jealous of Peter, James and John. You know what I'm saying? You ever read the Bible and get jealous and say, you know, I could believe in Jesus if I got to see him walk on water. You know, if I'd been in the boat, I'd have been out of the boat on the water, you know, right there by Peter, and I wouldn't have sunk. Really? You realize that the majority of the people that lived in Jesus' day didn't become followers? The majority of the people said, crucify. So I have to be honest. And I struggle because I'm like, I don't understand why everybody didn't come to church. It seems like such a better way, but that's because I've lived it. I've experienced it. See what I'm saying? We still live in an A when the majority of the people don't necessarily want to submit to God. Now, now, the majority of the people, this is what's interesting. This is interesting. The majority of the people in our culture, when asked, tell you they believe in God. Hmm. Do their actions imply they really believe? Mm. Can I believe in something and never practice it? I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe that I believed in you and, and loved you if I never spoke to you, interacted with you, engaged you. See, I, I submit that we really don't believe. The only way to know if somebody believes is to evaluate their action. And what happens is this. Satan speaks to us to keep us inactive. And that's the root of the misconceptions. The root of the misconceptions is to keep you. So today I want to challenge you. Do you need to adjust? Do I need to become more active in my faith? Do I need to become more active with God? Listen to what Jesus said. This is in John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father... So when he says you belong to your father, the devil, he's saying you just belong to this world. You belong to the thinking of this world. You want to carry out your father's desires. You want to be like everybody else. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. 
He lies and he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what Jesus would say is that all the misconceptions we're going to look at today and even the other lies that their real root is in the evil one and the evil over this world that's trying to keep you from God. So for you and I, just to begin to look at the misconceptions and and think about the misconceptions is really key. Is this misconception somehow impacting your life? I've broken it into four categories because when I showed my staff my list of 21 misconceptions, they said that's too long, Pastor. So I'm going to be nice, okay? It's not true. I didn't have 21, but I did have a long list. They said it was way too long. So here we go. The first category is what I call the I already, the I already got that t-shirt mentality. You know what I'm saying? So the first one is this. Under I already, I already know all I need to know about God. See, a lot of us, that's what we do. We hold God at a distance because I already know it. I went to church with my parents or I went to the church with my grandma or I, you know, I, I, I read a few, I read the New Testament. I read a few verses. I know enough about the Bible. And, and, you know, really, do you really know all you need to know about God? I mean, if, if you believe in God and he is the creator of the universe and he has all that You already got it covered. But this is what the Pharisees told Jesus, didn't they? You may say to me, well, I'm a Baptist. I already know it all. And you throw in your denominational moniker. You could say Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian. You see what I'm saying? This is what we do. We think because we're part of a tribe, we're already ready. That's a Twinkie mentality, isn't it? I'm covered for the apocalypse. I've already got it. And then the other side of this is I've already done enough. So we look at it in terms of, well, I've confessed Jesus as Lord, or I've been baptized, or I pray regularly. I read through my Bible regularly. And we now are looking at it in terms of the things that we've done. And Jesus said, you could never do enough. It's about the relationship. It's about, is it ongoing? See, you and I know what it is to have a relationship that's dead. And we know what it is to have a relationship that's alive, don't we? And in a live relationship, it's fresh. You're still talking, you're communicating, you're giving, you're receiving. If there's interaction there, see, we know what our life, can I tell you, this is why we know that nobody wants to have a virtual relationship forever. We want it to be real. And that's why this is important because under the I already category, we, we will set God aside because think we, we think we're good to go. The last part of the I already's is this. I'm already too far behind. Mm. I, I could never catch up spiritually. You don't know how bad I, I, had, I had a friend come to me and they said, Pastor, when I, when I was a child, my parents told me they never wanted me. They didn't care about me. They wished that I'd never been born. When you, when you grow up under that kind of rejection, you tend to say, there's just no way God could love me. And, and we have a whole, we have a generation of people who feel like that. We've told them we don't want them. We've rejected them. And if that's been you, can I just tell you, God doesn't look at you like that at all. He says, I love you. You've not gone too far. There's nothing bad about you. 
I created you within your mother's womb and I protected you and brought you into this world. You are alive today because of my gracious, great hand. I pushed back the evil that tried to destroy you and your generation. And I want you to know that you are mine. That's the voice of God speaking against that. Okay. That's what his word says. You are valuable and I'm transplanting you today. All right. Accept the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, second category of misconceptions. You got to move fast here, Doyle. All right, I'm exceptional. So what we say there is, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the exception to the rule. I know the Bible says this, but I still think I'm good enough. And so I don't need to do any more. I've already done enough. And so what we do is we start comparing ourselves to other people and we think we're the exception to the rule. That God says you have to live this way, but I don't. And, and can I just tell you, he's probably going to win that debate because he's God. The, the, under this category of I'm the exception, we say, well, but my intentions aren't bad. All right. So I don't, I don't really mean anything bad by, by not praying or not seeking God or serving God. And see, the problem with this is that we're not graded on a curve. You can have good intentions. And, and in the midst of your good intentions, there can be catastrophic, catastrophic damage done to other people. Okay. So under this category is, is what I always call it's my sin. All right. Someone says, well, it's listen, uh, I wasn't trying to harm anybody. I just, I couldn't control myself and I still did it. You know what I'm saying? And so we think that our sin is private and it doesn't impact anybody else. Well, that's not true. If, if someone goes out and, and they rob someplace and in the process they beat somebody up and, and then they end up going to jail, that impacts their family, doesn't it? That means a child now gets to grow up in a home where, where people know that that child's parent was in jail and that your daddy wasn't around or your mama wasn't around. See what I'm saying? It impacts them. Whenever someone sins, that sin impacts other people. Can I give you another more personal, real to our life today? Texting and driving. Everybody that texts and drives believes that they individually, I'm an exception, can do it safely. But it can have catastrophic impacts on other people's lives. And we watch it every day in our culture. You're driving down the highway and you look out your window and somebody is holding their phone against their steering wheel, watching cat videos. And it makes me feel like cat videos are more important than my life. See what I'm saying? I'm the exception. We live under these misconceptions and they harm us. I'm the exception. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to pray. I don't have to read the Bible. I already know it all. I'm, see what I'm saying? Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. If you will pray with me right now, I believe that God's going to move, that God's going to change some lives, that God is going to transform the world in which we live in. And so I invite you right now, let's just, let's do this together. Let's not waste any more time. Let's just... 
bow our heads and go before God and enter into heaven. Wouldn't it be good if we knew all our doctors loved God and served God? So let's take a moment and pray for our physicians, nurses, and medical staff. God, when we read your word, we we know that you are the God of healing. It says that you are the Lord, our doctor in Exodus. And and we know that, that you heal, but we also know when we read scripture that there were times when you healed people through medicine. You, you told Isaiah to go to the king and, and told him he would get 15 more years of his life and, and for him to put a, a poultice on that. Lord, that he was to prepare this salve and put it on it and he would live. So God, that's just one example of you giving us healing. You told us to anoint people with oil and they would be healed. Well, today we want to pray for the the men and women that are doctors and nurses and EMTs, people that are working in the medical field, physical therapy, chiropractic. Lord, there's lots of people that work every day and their goal is to help people be healed. So we believe that you are for healing. You don't want us to to suffer always. You want us to have life. And so I'm praying today for the men and women that are serving in our world to bring healing. Lord, we have seen a pandemic go around the world in our generation, and and they needed your wisdom. And and yes, they struggled during that time. We are not going to poke a finger or point a finger. But Lord, we're praying that you would cause them to learn from that experience, and they would be even better healers that relied on you for the miracles in our world. And they need you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I know I know that that prayer was good and that you were a part of that, but I want to take you to the next step because that's what we're all about here, right? So would you go to yournextstepnow.com? That's our website. And give us your email address, and we're going to give you our ebook. It's a prayer guide. This month, it's free. Know that it's free. It's not going to cost you. You just have to give me your email address, and then you and I can become prayer partners for the ministry. I need you to pray with me and agree with me. Our world needs revival. We need you to become a prayer partner. This community needs you. So go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your free prayer guide ebook today. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast 
an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.